Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Hello and welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. This is Melissa Freidenberg, and I am here with Jay Freidenberg, another husband-wife episode. Welcome, Jay. Thanks, Melissa. I'm glad to be here. Now, we don't usually talk about short-term volatility on this podcast. I know we've had some lighter topics. This past week, we've had some volatility, mainly Tuesday, September 13th. That was uh, an interesting day in the market. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it's the worst day since March of 2020. And that was just in the middle of COVID. So that was... Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. So it was the worst day of this year. And yeah, going back the dark days of when the pandemic began. So worthy of a podcast. I mean, we're not panicking, but I just, in a brief look through the headlines uh, as I was preparing for this podcast... It is, you know, the headlines are scary. So if you're watching the news or even just scrolling Facebook, you're probably going to see some articles this week. The idea here that we're just going to talk about kind of what's going on in the market right now in September of 2022, so that if you are feeling a little uneasy uh, about what's happening in the market, that hopefully this can give you some perspective. What better person to have here on our podcast for this than Jay Freidenberg? He has always been really good at is really breaking down the market and what's going on and and sharing an economic outlook. Let's talk a little bit about what happened and then we'll get wonky and I'll talk about some of the indicators and and what the market is doing and and not doing and and how fickle the market is. And I think that's going to be very important when we talk about perspective. But, you know, uh, undeniably, Aside from some of the major issues that the market is paying attention to this year, like Russia, Ukraine, COVID, Just a few things to digest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But certainly uh, the market's been laser focused on inflation. And there was an assumption after last month that uh, inflation had peaked. However, CPI or the Consumer Price Indicator, came out yesterday, which was Tuesday the 13th, higher than expected, which led to the the largest drawdown uh, this year, and as we talked about since March of 2020. You know, the main reason for the sell-off yesterday has to do with inflation and the market factoring in and looking at just how far the Federal Reserve is going to go with raising rates to try and tamp down inflation. And that's what they're trying to do is to sort of slow the economy, cool the economy by raising rates. And up until yesterday, the market had factored in another, at least another rate hike next week. However, it's looking like the Fed will have to continue to be a little more aggressive on inflation. So Right. That's exactly that. What a flawed indicator, which is the consumer price index. And I say flawed indicator because um, for for a couple of reasons. 
First of all, the Federal Reserve does not look at CPI, consumer price indicator, um, to drive their rate policy. Most economists and strategists do not use consumer price indicator. Uh, they use the core PCE, personal consumption expenditure, because it's a more accurate uh, representation of inflation. And can you explain the difference between the two? Sure. Well, you know, there's lots of factors that go into both indices. But the reason that the Federal Reserve uses personal consumption expenditure is because it factors in consumer behavior. Now, if you think about what we do personally, right? Um, well, maybe you don't do it as much, but most... Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh, what is this going to be? <laughs> yeah. No, but, you know, consumer behavior as prices rise, particularly with gasoline, and we'll talk about uh, price at the pump in a second, as inflation increases, specifically around gasoline and price at the pump, uh, consumer behavior changes. They start to pull back on some of the things that they buy and services that they use. Therefore, the CPI, Consumer consumer Price Index, over-represents uh, inflation and the personal consumption expenditure is a more accurate um, representation of true inflation. And again, sorry for the wonkiness, but uh, we thought it was important, I look back and um, James Bullard, who was the president of the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank, did a study that looked at CPI and PCE going back from 1995 up to 2013. And the difference between consumer price index was 7% higher than PCE, personal consumption expenditure, which is why the Federal Reserve and most economists and strategists use that indicator as a true representation of inflation. Let me just make sure I'm understanding this here. Personal consumption expenditure is actually looking at what consumers' behavior or, or what they're actually doing. So if you're reducing your gas usage as a result of the higher prices, that would be more reflected in PCE okay. and not CPI. We, we would have to go many levels deeper, but I think the important thing is, first of all, CPI over represents inflation. But here's the other thing is that it's the first indicator that, that comes out on a monthly basis. And okay. that's why the market saw that where they was expecting a, a decrease in inflation. And we can talk about why we think it's actually decelerating, not accelerating. Um, but the market saw that and freaked out. As a matter of fact, another indicator came out today, Wednesday 14th, uh, the producer price indicator. In fact, it's decelerating uh, for two consecutive months. So, okay. so now we're seeing the, the market not necessarily come back 4.3%, which it was down. But CPI, again, is an overrepresentation of inflation. It came out first of many different inflation indices that economists and strategists, and most importantly, the Federal Reserve, follow. And can we talk about the other thing here is that, now I know you've mentioned kind of month-to-month -month numbers, but CPI, I know specifically, is a year-over-year -year number. So that also... You're bringing up a really important topic. 
all indicators are, are looked at both year over year as well as month over month. And I think what's what's really, really important is that last October and last November were really hot in terms of inflation, whether they be measured month over month or year over year. But and what, that was kind of as a result of coming out of COVID and right, pent-up demand. It, it, pent-up demand. Also, consumers were purchasing goods at very dramatic levels. I mean, do you remember when we... I know I was... <laughs> Well, it was it was the inverse of consumer behavior when people were locked in in their houses. And they were buying all of these goods where they were not uh, consuming services, which is the natural thing for the U.S. consumer, which was putting a lot of price pressure. And then we also had supply chain issues. We had freight issues. Now we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but I think you know the point again that we want to make. Is that as we continue to measure inflation, both month over month and more importantly, uh, year over year, those really hot months of October and November start to roll off. In fact, in November of this year, if all things stay the same, and again, we're going to talk about where these components are decelerating, but if everything stayed the same, inflation is going to go from 8.4% all the way down to 6.5% when October and November roll off. October, November of last year, a lot of people were getting their second shots or you know boosters, if you will, getting ready for the holiday season. So I think that's where a lot of people that maybe weren't you know, going out with masks on or, or what have you started really going out as you, as you mentioned, the services. So whether it's getting your hair done or going out to dinner or you know, all the things that you didn't do in the, in the highs of COVID, that would be one of the reasons for those months being super hot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Revenge travel only really started over the last uh, couple of months. And like the major drivers have been oil and gas, right? Supply chain issues, used cars, semiconductors, and then commodities across the board, really. So I think that's a great jumping off point to talk about what's what really hasn't been reflected in in some of the inflation numbers that that will start to be reflected in uh, in future months. So let's talk about gasoline to start with, right? Yeah, I did notice actually our son pointed out the other day, uh, gas prices. I know he, this is a kid who can't even find his shoes or his mouth guard. To go to that was pump. that was that was pretty remarkable. Yeah, he looked we were driving. He looked at the price at the gas pump. Uh, you know, at a gas station on the corner, we weren't even getting gas. And he's like, is that a typo? Is gas really under $4? Isn't that really low? Maybe we should stop and get gas here. And it actually made me, I mean, I know just from reading that gas prices have been coming down, but I was like, wow, they are under $4. Yeah. In fact, uh, the average price of gas has gone down 90 days in a row. Really super important because the correlation, if you will, um, between consumer sentiment and gasoline is super, super high. So that's that's a conversation for a whole other time. But let's talk about like ocean freight. That was another com- really big component of the cost of goods that were driving inflation. That's down 70% from its peak. That's, that's huge. Obviously, right? Apparel and footwear. Maybe you noticed, maybe I didn't, but... Um, where inventories started to build up, they're actually up 40 to 60% year over year. So stay tuned. 
there's going to be some pretty dramatic discounts going into um, holiday season as companies naturally uh, lower their inventories to try to make room for you know what they want to sell us during the holiday season. But inventory buildup was a big one. So what you're saying is that I'm going to be able to save us money over the next couple of months with all the sales going on. Is yeah, that- I, I love I love that calculus. <laughs> how, how much you save by how much you buy. But uh, the used vehicle index down six out of the last seven months. Oil is down 29 percent. Uh, copper down 27 percent. And lumber, which is really a sore one for me because I built that stupid dock at the high point. Uh, Lumber down 67%. Wheat, corn, soybean down 32, 13%, and 26% respectively. So again- And you you think about how some of those things affect the everyday consumer, especially with lumber. A lot of people that were thinking about doing renovations held off because stuff got so expensive. So the cost of lumber goes down and then- the cost of construction, hopefully, uh, falls in line with that. So those are really important. I mean, you may not be thinking about purchasing any copper anytime soon. But again, in a lot of the components of things that you buy every day, that is part of what's driving up the cost of some of these goods. Lagging indicators, correct. And going forward, these these reduction in prices are going to start to be reflected in all of the goods that uh, that we buy. And again, you know, back to what we talked about, you know, the way it's calculated year over year, month over month, if all things stay the same, that that CPI number is going to go from 8.4% down to 6.5. Once that year over year drops off the November, October of last year. Correct. And then when you start to factor in these, these deceleration in the prices of all of these things, we think it's probably going to be lower. But with that being said, you know, inflation is still something that the Fed is is uh, laser focused on. Right. And it's still something that's affecting I mean, anybody that goes grocery shopping this week knows that it's still something that we as a consumer are dealing with right now. So in no way are we saying that it's not a worry, but maybe the market sell off yesterday due to the higher than expected CPI numbers may have been an overreaction. Yeah, you know what? I think that's a great segue into just how fickle the market can be. Just a few weeks ago, the market, and when we say the market, that's based on Fed futures contract. Fed futures contracts just a few weeks ago was uh, anticipating or assuming that the Federal Reserve would actually cut rates by the back half of 2023. Now, considering you know what happened on Tuesday, that's an assumption that the Fed will go all the way to 4.3% um, with their rate hikes, where it was 3.7%. I know that's a lot of numbers, but I just want to kind of give an indication of how fickle the market can be. And you know, back to the second glass of wine during dinner last night. I don't want to say that that days like yesterday were are not unpleasant, but we're not traders, we're investors, right? We want to maintain a long-term perspective and, and just recognize that the market can swing very dramatically day over day. But historically, the best and worst days have always happened right next to each other. Yeah, we have a great piece on that. And I will link that in the show notes for this episode. But uh, back to those that second glass of wine after dinner last night, I I wasn't too upset about the market. I mean, it definitely was like, wow, that's interesting. But it's always an indicator when the market has a really bad day, I get a text from my mother. (laughs) 
And she goes, oh, that's stock market. I don't know how you do it. So it's just funny as, as far as an indicator as to, you know, emotions and uh, the market. The point we want people to get from this is that one day is not going to change our outlook on investing as a whole. We're going to continue to see headline volatility, especially surrounding interest rates and the Fed and what uh, different people in the Fed are saying or planning on doing. The stock market anticipates different rates, uh, as Jay had mentioned, by the end of 2023. Overall, though, we want to focus on the long-term financial plan for each individual, as well as that longer-term investing. Because if you're talking about money that you're going to use in you know third quarter of 23 probably shouldn't be invested in the stock market anyway, but that's a different topic for a different podcast episode. We're also here. If anybody wants to nerd out and really know what's going on, we're, we're happy to have that conversation as well. If you want to talk about your particular financial plan, or maybe you've been doing the investing on your own and it's getting a little too volatile and you want to talk about you know, how we can help uh, with that, both the emotional side for you, as well as Uh, the volatility within your portfolio. We would be happy to help. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you, Jay, for being a guest and sharing your knowledge. And uh, let us know if you have topics that you would like us to cover on future episodes, please do reach out and let us know. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter, also found on our website.